Welcome to Temple of Health Radio Show. This is Dr. Susan Kalb, and today I'm pleased to have back on my show Dr. David Lowe. Today we're going to be talking about dream therapy. David's been on the uh, show before talking about dream interpretation. You can find those in the archives at www.plasticos.com under resources and radio. Uh, David does um, uh, work with clients on dream interpretation and uh, other spiritual development um, things, and I'll let him tell you about what he does. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Susan, so much for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I, I, I do lots of spiritually-related modalities, uh, mindfulness of substance abuse, uh, lifestyle modification, things like that. But, um, but, but my main thing is, is dream work, and um, there are lots of things to talk about there which are quite interesting and helpful for people. Yeah, sure. So how long have you been uh, interested in dreams? Ever since I got my heavy-duty initiation from the major teacher that I follow about 35, 35 uh, uh, 36 years ago, my dream life was basically jump-started. It was kind of involuntary, okay, so precisely because unusually so many messages and important stuff came through dreams, I began analyzing them and writing them down and so forth and, and was forced to more or less study the topic extensively. So I did that and have you know, pretty much become a, uh, I try to spend time you know, helping people understand what, what their dreams are saying and do have a very good sense of where they're taking us in terms of, in terms of overall spiritual journey. Yeah, primarily, um, I kind of had to do that because that was, it turned out to be sort of who I am psycho-spiritually in terms of inner, in terms of inner disposition. It was your path. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you had to do it. Just like I had uh, to get breast implants. <laughs> right. It's a little bit different, but at least you didn't have to get breast implants. That's good. <laughs> right. So, um, well, basically dreams are interesting because spirit can get us a lot of messages in dreams without scaring us. Like if, if, a, if a dead relative wants to talk to you, it, it's very simple to do it through a dream, and nobody gets frightened or worried about it. But if a uh, you know discarnate uh, relative appears before you in in a room, uh, many people freak out. You know that becomes a little bit more than they can take. So yes. I think yes. I think that spirit doesn't want to create fear. So I think that a lot of a lot of people have prophetic dreams, which are a little bit different in quality. They have dreams where they're being nudged to get over their fears. They have dreams where new information is coming in, like if they have cancer or if they need to take some action to avoid right. a dangerous situation. Right. Yeah. And one of the so main of insights, things. of course, one of one of the main insights that we get from from prophetic dreams of that sort, and, and from repeated more more frightening and challenging exposure to visitation dreams, is that you know. Uh, someone appearing in actual uh, physical reality, that also is a dream. It just happens to be in the primary dream in the mind of reality. God, if you will. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And that other yeah. dreams are perhaps only slightly less real and just as real mm -hmm. from other standpoints. Yeah, Do you think right. that the dimension that dreams take place in is the fourth density? I would say it's higher than that. One of the things that I tried okay. to sort out with a study I did, um, a survey study, was to see whether some of these big-time lucid dreamers can distinguish between higher dimensions, say between the fifth and 
cancer or, mm-hmm. or, or the six or seventh or what have you. And I, got, I could kick myself for not formulating that particular survey question precisely enough. But I, I believe they can. And I can, uh, of the big time lucid dreamers, who, and you know, they, they, um, these are not typical lucid dreamers, you know, within this, within this particular, uh, you know, society of, 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 of dream researchers. There's more, more than average interest in lucid dreaming and higher than average interest in, you know, um, mystical spirituality. These are not mm-hmm. typical lucid dreamers, but even so, um, a good of, of, of those of that particular sample, a good you know thirty forty percent more than that, did claim that they could that that, uh, that they did experience things beyond the fourth dimension. Okay, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and exactly how they do that, or whether they can distinguish between them, is um, another issue, which I which I wasn't able um, to sort out. But there is significant. Um, level of under, level of exposure or interest and actual exposure to realms beyond the fourth dimension, almost certainly by any measure. Well, some of the some of the masters who have ascended say that in the next dimension, the fourth density, we can levitate, we can you know do um, the psychokinesis. Yeah, the classic do, spiritual uh, power. Sure. Telepath, you know, telepathic communication. And then when you think about it, when you're having a dream where you're flying. So that's pretty high level of spiritual stuff. Um, some people have achieved it on Earth, but it's not that common. Um, it's even less common than levitation is flying through the, the air. But there are some masters who've done it. But um, but basically, uh, that might indicate that you're higher than force. You know, the it, so it might be you might be able to tell what level you're at based on what you can do in the dream. That's exactly what I think. Good research can sort out. You would have to go to historical sources, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think that someone who can physically fly through the air, like Yanishwar in the 14th century, biblical saint from India, supposedly did, and others, mm-hmm. some of the Tibetan masters. Um, right. well, I think what's happening is the person has essentially interpenetrated this physical body, the fifth and sixth dimension, and on up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's. It's very interesting to sort out the mechanics of that, and that's something which I think research, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm even if it's just survey research connected with connected with um, historical analysis, can mm-hmm. can substantiate. It can substantiate to a certain amount, to to a certain degree. Um, you can't empirically study things beyond physical reality unless you loosen up your criteria a little bit as far as research design goes. But you can establish those <laughs> facts, and I hope to help do that or start to do that. Yeah. So cool. soul travel, which is in Ekankar, that probably is higher dimensional. It has to soul essentially resides in the fifth, at least. So that has to be above fourth. But I would say most people, just in their average dream, not prophetic, not lucid, um, are prom- primarily in the fourth dimension. I would say you're right insofar as, you know, m- most people can receive information from beyond their immediate framework in time and space. Um, mm-hmm. But insofar as that inf- information is confused and not well understood and the dream right. is dim and confused and uncontrolled, yeah, I think you're you're talking about fooling around with, with, with the immediate fourth dimension. Yeah. And then you've got the demonic stuff, and you've got we, things that we know reside in, reside in the lower fourth dimension are frequently seen in dreams. You know, the dark, the darkness, and the 
you know, the, the shadows and, you know, things yeah. that where you just, it's not really a nightmare, but you wake up feeling just not having been brought down. You know, you're right, not rejuvenated. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, the really interesting thing to bear in mind here is that, you know, there's kind of an interesting paradox in understanding these dimensions as far as they relate to to um, dynamic psychotherapy. You know, if you think mm-hmm. about the subconscious mind and the superconscious mind, in one di- in one respect, they come from the same place because because they both involve more subtle levels of reality. You know, so the superconscious, uh, um, a, a you know higher level of reality, or um, a, a, a a a more profound matrix of communication, if you will, is necessary mm-hmm. for both demonic and sublime, you know, phenomena to communicate themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Absolutely. Well, you know, I was, I can't, I don't really remember my dreams very often, like in detail. I, I sometimes do right before an interview with you. But, you know, in general, I'm not doing dream work like you are, where you get up and you write everything down and you intend to do it. And you, you know, you, you put effort into it. And then, of course, right. things get a lot more clear. But um, I can say that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I feel my dreams are not in a place where I want to be. You right. know, like they're not nightmares. I haven't had nightmares in, in ages, but but they're they're just like people are having trouble they're you know i'm trying to help people but everything's kind of dim and dark and difficult right. to do and like i'm trying to do a surgery and i can't get it together you know it just isn't a good place so i mean what advice would you have for somebody like me where i'd rather have dreams that are more uplifting and more you know uh spiritual right and rather than just, just frustrating right <laughs> simply simply the, the knowledge that that it's the job of the dream. What the dream wants us to do, wants to do is take us through stuff that we need to work through before complete enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do think that enlightenment exists. So I get frustrated is. when I can't get something done. Right, right, <laughs> and right. And somebody's right. life depends on it because that's their right. <laughs> And what's really interesting is that, you know, <clears throat> like a lot of people have dreams in which they are experiencing re- the dream reality is being in, in molasses or something. They can't move their limbs. Right, know? yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. That is thought to indicate by many dream workers the lack of actual conviction and belief in complete higher mm-hmm. reality, per- precisely because you're a little bit rigid and unsure about your understanding of the transdimensional nature of higher reality. You don't completely mm-hmm. believe. They give lip surface to it on you lip surface to it on the surface, but you don't completely believe deep down that it's real, and so you mm-hmm. actually have trouble moving. Right. So, and also, you know, just the general understanding that you know they want to help us get through that transformational stuff that we still need to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, there are issues that most of us have to straighten out. What's interesting also is that. Well, in the case of folks who who um, who follow esoteric traditions like Ekinkar, insofar as some people can have profound or unusual dream experiences and also be pretty schmucky as far as their personal characteristics go, you know, mm-hmm. the person is split off. There's a good spiritual side, and there's a relatively bad leftover, you know, impure side, if you will, and the sides mm-hmm. need to come together, and they slowly mm-hmm. do. 
in the meantime, the dream phenomena can be, to a certain extent, delusional insofar as it seems to take a person to higher reality. And then all all kinds of pride and sense of accomplishment gets uh-huh. going and it connects with that and you get attached to it and so forth. So, you know, um, it's a matter of acceptance and of mm-hmm. understanding that, that, you know, you can actually, and we, we can get into this if you want to, look at those dreams and find out what the issues are. Mm-hmm. Um, even amongst, I mean, if a relatively intelligent person who has a bit of time on their hands can sit down and analyze these things in the right way and begin to fathom some mm-hmm. new understandings about themselves. And that's become clear over the last five or six years, I think, in connection with some new techniques which have been devised by some well-known dreamers. So we can talk about that. Really interesting. But you can look at those dark, kind of funny dreams and see what the issues are behind them, what's causing them, and what they I are think hinting, got... what they are hinting and implying that you might want to do about. It. I think I'm I, I understand something about the bigger picture after I listened to a video by David Wilcock yesterday. David was saying he took us through all the Tibetan and all the masters and all the ascension stuff and right. how they ascended and the footprints and the handprints and everything, all the miracles. And then he said that the mass, the the one group that had the most ascension was teaching that in order to ascend, you have to have you have to transcend fear and transcend hope. And the reason being is that fear lowers your energy, and hope does too, because hope takes you into the future and also is an energy drain. So you have to be totally in the present, and no matter what happens, you need to see that it's in divine order and not react do it with any negative vibration. So what I'm thinking is my dreams are things that have actually happened in um, physical reality, okay, in in my third dimensional reality, and cause me frustration, okay? Like when things go, you know, it's usually people not doing what they're supposed to do, what they're paid to do, and then hurting a patient, okay? That's really the gist of what a lot of these things are. Yeah. So sure. I'm unable to get the team to work together in order to get the job done. Okay. So and that has been a frustrating part of what I've tried to do in in just in my career. You know, right. where I'm trying to get a team together that is really good working together. So maybe my lesson is to be okay when people are screwing up even if it's hurting other people to understand all of that is in divine order. Yeah, and to understand especially that. And that's a hard one. Yeah, it is. See, that's a hard one. You you, you see why. Right, right. And part of the divine order is understanding how your own stuff or your own path involves, you know, there are are subtle mechanics, psychomechanics between you and all the team members, which are actually Mm -hmm. contributing to their their lack of ideal performance. In some profound mm-hmm. way, you are actually encouraging that lack of that lack of perfect performance in so in, in your own sub, in your own subconscious thinking. <laughs> Not really. So and, I can and, get and, over it. <laughs> right, right, and, and 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 these are things which the dreams are trying to to um, alert you to the patterns of behavior, it the seems subtle patterns. Yeah. No, the, the subtle patterns of behavior and thinking which cause those those 
non-ideal dynamics between you and the other team members are mm-hmm. things which the dreams are hinting at you to try to, to try to get you to fathom what those are. Right. And right. how to and, and there are ways you can do that. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably why I keep having less than pleasant dreams. Like they're not nightmares. The patient doesn't die. You know, I mean, right. it, it's not it's not like that. It's it's more just stuff that I guess I need to be neutral on in real life, and then the yeah. dream will go away. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, let me give you an, an example of some of these new mm-hmm. in, insights about dreams, which allow the dreamer to see deeper patterns of non-ideal behavior. <clears throat> There's something that I like to call the action template, which other dream workers call the process narrative, which is what's really going on in the dream deeper down. So say, for example, mm-hmm. um, a dream could be, let me give you this example here. Um, I might dream of punching somebody and then going out and um, overeating somewhere. I might mm-hmm. dream of kicking a dollhouse and then going, then going over to, to use drugs somewhere. I might dream of shouting at my best friend and then getting somebody to, to, get, to give me a massage, even though I, even though I just had, had a massage yesterday. So each of those mm-hmm. dreams portrays you know, the same underlying template of what's really going on, which is something like this. Someone does something hurtful and then pampers mm-hmm. himself. I see. So all those yeah. all those three examples illustrate that template, and That's of course, it, well, yeah, it, it, it gets very convoluted with with more elaborate dreams. Yeah. But you can see how you're actually working at cross purposes with yourself. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand doing mm-hmm. psychologically, right? And you look at so the you're dream. more likely to hurt people because then you can pamper yourself. A pattern gets set up. Yeah, a pattern gets set up in which you sort of self justify your own non-ideal, in, in, mm-hmm. impure behavior. And the dream points the dynamic out to you. Right. And, and, and then it's, it's, up to you to, it's up to you to think about mm-hmm. how that can be fixed or, or, or what you need to go through to better, to, to, to what spiritual work, therapeutic work you need to do to get that straightened out so, mm-hmm. so that things are more, more harmonious and so that there's better communication without any very subtle underlying agenda. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, the, yeah, I mean that that happens. Um, there's a book that Carolyn Mace wrote that says why people don't get well. You know, it's, it's right. important for us in the medical field because there's a big dynamic about that probably gets set up in childhood where if you can feign an illness, you don't have to do something you don't want to do, or you get attention that you need. You see? Yeah, oh God, somatoform disorders. And, and, and oh yeah, so that can really. Um, so you probably dream of being sick. You know, I mean, I don't know how the dream therapy would work, but but that would be a big one. You know how? Because yeah. you really hurt yourself when you do that. Yeah, that, this isn't, there's no question about that. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it'd be very interesting to 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 look at dreams who really from people who suffer from from. Yeah. Right. <laughs> From what psychiatrists call somatoform disorders, which is thinking that mm-hmm. you're sick, having all the symptoms, and having no organic basis for it. You know, right, and right. what the dreams of such people like that must illustrate. You know, the studies mm-hmm. that could be done are interesting, but it, but they, they really do point out. You look at these templates, these underlying patterns. 
the dream illustrates the same thing over and over. It dresses it up mm -hmm. in different symbolic form over and over until the dreamer finally gets it. If yeah. he or she does, if he or she does the work. Yeah. So yeah, write it all out and look at what's going. On. Try yeah, to figure out something. A, a very very um, an action template. What's really going and for on. me. Yeah, for me, because I've done soul travel and I've done the higher dimensional stuff, I know that these dreams are taking place in the lower force. I mean, I know that, you know, because of the darkness and the and just the vibration of where the dream is taking. And I guess maybe that's the level they have to be at, though. I mean, that's the level um, of frustration, you know. Well, it's, it's interesting that, you know, it. you look at the pairs of opposites philosophically and the very fact that, you know, one, you're unenlightened, if you are, but we'll just say for sake of example, one, you're unenlightened. Two, you're having all these fantastic lucid dreams at, 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 at you know, level XX, whatever, in Ekin car. Therefore, there is going to be a corresponding degree, corresponding group of activities at the other end of the scale, which is mm -hmm. also going on, right? And at some point, the two are going to come together. The great stuff and the bad stuff will both merge into this indescribable, beyond the mind, you know, effulgent, unfolding into complete enlightenment. You mm -hmm. know, that will happen someday, right? Well, the, I, you know, when I think it happens is when you don't have, fear doesn't affect you and hope doesn't affect you. I mean, that's what the Tibetans yes. were teaching. Abs the Tibetans that were ascending were teaching that. And, I I, and they right. had more ascension than anybody. And so it's the ability to stay in the present at every minute, not go into the past with regret, not go into the future with hope or fear. And yeah. then every single thing in the present, you only react with, with loving thoughts. And so if something really that appears to be horrible, you ask for guidance and you get the information about what's really going on so you understand it's not horrible, it's for the best. Yeah, and, and it's very difficult to see the positive in everything all the time, you know, but it's right. there. So, you know, um, when 9-11 happened, and we can disagree about why and circumstances and so forth, but when 9-11 happened, you have to realize that, you know, we create reality with our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So what, I mean, at what layer of underlying impurity and nature of thinking Collectively, how and why did that manifest as 9-11? And what does that symbolize for all of us who heard about it, who saw it, you know, um, psychodynamically at the very deep level that you're referring to? Guess we, what's we happening right now with 9-11 that's so pertinent to what you just said? Okay. They are, they are organizing. This, is, this is, just came out yesterday. They are organizing planes from a military base, I can't remember which one, for journalists to fly down to Gitmo to be present for pre-trial briefings on 9-11 indictments. Now, let me tell you why I think 9-11 happened. I think 9-11 happened because it was so out of, it was so ridiculous and so much evidence about what really happened that was covered up that that was the beginning of the downfall of the deep state. Okay, that was the beginning of it because they went too far. That was just too much. 
you know, when they did the false flag for Vietnam or the other wars, you know, nobody actually got it. But 9-11, because it was so close to home and it was so personal and affected us energetically at a personal level, whereas, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and, and Vietnam did not affect us personally. I think mm-hmm. they went too far. And now there is evidence that um, I think four to seven prison barges have gone from California, New York. They're headed to Gitmo. They're actually at Gitmo. Mathis is down there. Sessions is down there. The tribunal, the military tribunals are starting, and one of the big ones is military tribunals for the people that put that are responsible for 9/11. So, in my mind, it happened because they went way too far, leaving way too much evidence. And then finally, when the military was able to, you know, gather enough evidence and and do the indictments, and then now they're doing them through military tribunals. Um, do you remember that back and forth thing that um, that Kavanaugh had when he was being um, questioned by uh, the the senator, and they were talking about what's the difference between civilian courts and military courts? That is what's happening. They're they're actually going to be doing military now. Military tribunals. I'm Air Force, so I can tell you all about this. Military tribunals. You don't have the Constitution or rights that you that you do when you. I mean, military tribunals are different. You are tried, you are sentenced, and the next day the sentence is carried out. Okay, there's no appeals, there's no, it's not, if you read the military code of justice, it's way different than civilian courts. Right. So that's what's happening now, and there could be thousands of people detained right now at Gitmo because the deep state is being prosecuted. And I believe 9-11 left way too much evidence. I, I mean, it, it was, I mean, I've been following it since it happened i mean when it first happened um i was my friend was staying with me and i walk in he looked at the tv and he said he said this was the deep state i mean he got it right away right away i mean while while we were watching it and i thought about it i said well we'll see you know i don't know but um i was surrounded by people with a lot of spiritual discernment at the time and none of them thought it was anything but the deep state so you know, we'll see. But isn't it interesting that journalists right now are being organized to fly down there for pretrial, um, whatever they call it, pretrial uh, arrangements or whatever. Yeah. So they're yeah. they're happening, and it's nine eleven. That's what they said. Pretrial for nine eleven. Right. So what's right. the news? It's happening right now, and military tribunals are going to be. There'll only be certain journalists that are allowed to cover them. So forget about CNN. You know, that won't be allowed to cover anything. A lot of the, the Washington Post and, and, and the papers and the, and the uh, outlets that have been so ridiculous won't be invited. So. Okay, okay. So you'll, you'll, under, you'll, you'll appreciate it. I experienced some uh, cognitive, cognitive dissonance around all this. It's all very interesting. Well, no, no, this was announced. This, this, is, this is on mainstream news. This is not, you know, this is, this is happening. You can look it up and you can see you can see the evidence of it, okay? Yeah, this is not okay. this is I'll not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. I'll certainly do that. Yeah, no, I mean this is real. They I mean they're 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 actually scheduled and happening and they want journalists there to cover it. So they're right. arranging seats on military aircraft to fly to Gitmo. Okay. And you I'll can certainly check that out. They know which I mean the the announcement said which base they're flying out of too. I just can't remember it. It's a 
particular base that you know military planes are flying out of. I'll check that. But out I just right explained away. the whole thing to you, and if it really wasn't happening, why do you think Kavanaugh was questioned so carefully about it? You see, right. you can okay. go back and watch I, that I questioning. Know. I don't know. Well, that's sure why, because they, that was a message to the deep state that it was coming. Hmm. Very interesting. I yeah. certainly... What's happening right now? So 9-11 is being unfolded. Okay. Right. And, and I really think that it was, like I said, it was, the, it was because they went too far. And when they went too far, they left way too much evidence. And, and you'll see that evidence coming out in what will be in the military tribunals. So that's, that's okay. what I think 9-11 is about. It was okay. down. It was. The setting up the downfall of the deep state. Yeah, well, there's a lot of allegations. And of course, we want that. You know, we really want that. And th what, 3,000 people died in that? So it could have been much worse, you know, well, yeah, if a I, nuclear I bomb had yeah, gone yeah, off in New right. York. As, as you know, I don't have I don't I don't I don't have as much exposure to these things as you have, and I'm a little bit critical about some of it. However, I'm more than willing to see all the stuff come out. And, and yeah, well, really just find out which um, which outlets are being allowed. Sure. You know, maybe Fox News, maybe some. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not familiar with all the media outlets, but sure, um, sure, they're limiting it. And then you watch those media outlets, and it's real. I mean, it's coming to you live from Gitmo, so you know, right. you can right. you don't have to wonder if it's real. Okay. So, cool. But anyway, I think I think that the the 9/11 thing affected the psyche of so many people. And I think I told the story before that I was doing a ear laceration on a construction worker. And right. at the end of the surgery, he told me that he had a, this was about two weeks after 9-11, that he had the exact dream that was on TV, you know, where the, where the planes hit the building. Right. Um, exact dream. Like, and, and he shared that with me. And he said, I was the first person he ever told, um, I guess. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to judge him. I, I wasn't going to think he's crazy. I said, "Well, that's a prophetic dream, and and you were given that information." So yeah, yeah. There, there's no. So it's know, really it's, neat. It's so, and a lot of people had prophetic dreams about 9/11. Yeah, I mean, wherever 9/11 came from, it's so important to contemplate its spiritual significance and mm -hmm. how you know there is a slow sorting out in planetary evolution and so on regarding. Regarding, you know, levels of understanding and overall degrees of harmony between societies. And, you know, the, yep. the significance that that has in terms of getting everybody on the same page morally and ethically can't be overestimated, you know, in terms of what it implies, what we need to do, where we need to be, you know. Um, we have these disagreements. Fundamentalist religion is such a nonsense. And what are the deeper levels of reality? That we can all tune into, you know. That's that's what my book was about, and hopefully more and more people will start seeing it. And if if if, if indeed Area 51 exists and all these these tunnels that you talk about exist, and I do hope they do, because believe me, you know things need to be exposed, and it all implies a great deal of hope for the human race, which which otherwise is not there. Right? <laughs> yeah. But but anyway. Well, I'm I'm very hopeful, but I've got to get over being hopeful if I'm going to ascend. So there you right. go. <laughs> right. Right. Got to stay in the present. I think that's so interesting. Yeah. I think that is so that was just so interesting to me that that you really have to just stay in the present. So it so I'm working on not caring or you know being more neutral to all yeah. of it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's this both you know. 
reality is, is both is so tragic and so beautiful at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. I have to you not care. <laughs> I I have to not care that blue whales and polar bears and elephants are probably all going to go extinct. You know, at least in a while. And I have to not care about these poignantly beautiful things in nature, which are vanishing. Mm-hmm. But that is part of the divine plan somehow. And maybe we'll all do genetic engineering 100 years from now and get it all back. But, but you know, but that's... You won't have to. The template, the template for elephants and polar bears is in, in the spiritual realm. Uh, David Will, the same thing David Wilcock was showing you that the DNA is not the template. The template, there's a whole bunch of examples he gives scientifically to show that the template is much higher. So you can rest assured in the fact that the template for all of these animals is not in their DNA, and they can be recreated from the higher yeah. sources. Yeah, so sure you don't have to worry about it because everything's fine. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's a scientific fact. It's very interesting. Right, right, right. Yeah, so so, so I certainly believe and understand how the, the templates for all creatures exist in higher reality. It's a question of whether or if they'll ever be able to be recreated, you know, which I guess I, I certainly hope they will a few hundred years from now or whatever, when, when things really start out with global warming and whatnot. But, yeah, so any more dream questions you have? <laughs> well, um, we were talking about dreams used in therapy, and we started right. off with you, you know, giving examples of, things that you might be working on in real life and then the dreams that you would have to notify you of that and like tap you on the shoulder. Can you give any other examples? Oh, oh, so, so, um, well, what I'm good at doing is seeing the journey aspect of where somebody is. So for mm-hmm. example, if somebody tells me, uh, let's say somebody who, 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 um, who attends a Presbyterian church, and has some subtle misgivings about it. His mother, his, his, his mother shows up in a dream and tells him, hey, I'm really into Kali these days. I worship Kali, who, you know, is, is a Hindu goddess of time and death. She has fangs and blood dripping out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah. And he says, and, and, you know, he says, what is going on, Mom? And his mother was very wise and mature. He always looked up to her. And she's worshiping mm-hmm. Kali, you know, in a mm-hmm. dream. And so, what, 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 if someone comes to me with something like that, I say, listen, you know, well, what the person doesn't see is how that works into his or her spiritual journey. There's only mm-hmm. this, the person doesn't consciously realize the significance of that in terms of what they need to do next. And I say, hey, listen, let's see, you know, what, what does this imply about what you need to do for your own spirituality? Mm-hmm. Maybe what she's really saying is, Start learning about other religions. Start investigating other philosophical systems. You know, something. And I mean, that. And there's very, very often a kind of aha moment at that at that time. Oh my God, you're right. You know, because he feels it. Because and the when, other thing when, is, Kali is is a goddess of destruction. Okay? Yeah, sure. And so you have to you have to destroy, go through a destructive period where you. Let go of your beliefs that are holding you back. Well, I mean, Kali, Kali, sheep, all all these destructive things—they're interesting because mm-hmm. you know, um, 
religious scholars of psychology and religion, there's something out there called kenotheism, which is the tendency of a devotee of, sub, of a major deity like Kali. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of these devotees of Kali and Shiva and all these Indian deities are very profound thinkers. And yet they are mm-hmm. devotees of, of these particular, you know, forms, which are very frightening and so forth. And that's because mm-hmm. they have the philosophical understanding that everything, the primary cultural aspect of that form, may be about destruction and so forth. But mm-hmm. philosophically, at, at, at a deeper level, that entity, insofar as, as it represents the deeper, big heavyweight, that entity can give you everything, joy, bliss, love, enlightenment. That can come from Kali as surely as it can come from Lakshmi or Sugmad or you know any any, any of the uh, mm-hmm. more beautiful uh, manifestations of deity are those can um, the the, uh, the major ugly gross ones can do just as much for you at the good end mm-hmm. as the good ones can. They just represent a different cultural aspect on the surface, you know. And it's it's interesting. Some people have the spiritual path when they're here. It's called the first ray, which right. is the ray of destruction. Uh, the first ray mm-hmm. energies um, are involved in tearing things down because sure. nothing can, nothing new can be built until you know you can't. You have to have winter before you have spring. So, sure, Kali people who who worship Kali may be on that spiritual path of the first ray, absolutely, which is a hard one for me to understand. You know that's. That's something I've kind of, you know, I've, I've met people on that ray, and they go around destroying things. That's what they do. You know, the, if you want to think about it, the guys that go in and, and buy up companies that are failing and then destroy them, you know, yeah. they're on the first ray. You know, they're, they're destroying this thing, and then well, you know, you know what that is? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. That, that is classic fundamentalist religion, you know, mm-hmm. where, like, you take things literally. And it's unfortunate in the case of these, in the case of these deity figures, which are of a primarily destructive or negative aspect on the surface in the language and culture. When that's mm-hmm. literally obeyed, then that happens. But it's, it's, it, it just strikes me. I never quite thought of that. But in fundamentalist religion, in any faith, mm-hmm. in, in a person, any any human being, spiritual evolution starts out unless they come in with with a lot of great knowledge as a small child. It starts mm-hmm. out going through a big fundamentalist phase where, like, you take right. things a little And you have to eventually right? break away from it. You've got you know? you, you to go deeper than that. So in the case of someone who worships Kali or one of these other really, really destructive deities in whatever deity system, mm-hmm. he's going to actually go out and try to destroy stuff. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, you're right. I never quite thought that. But in terms of there must be some Kali fundamentalists out there who are doing these terrible things. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. But that, yeah, the well, this first is, ray. This is the plane of duality. So yeah. you cannot have creation without destruction. Yeah. yeah. You can. There, I mean, and, if, right. if and, and there is all the flowers higher... and trees grew but never died, what would the world look like? I mean, right. if everything just continued to grow, we'd be in a jungle, you know. Right, right. And, 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 then, and, and it and wouldn't under, work. Understanding how those two things, the destruction and love and beauty and creation, there's mm-hmm. a more subtle kind of creation when you see, you know, when the opposites merge, there's a sort of effervescent flowing force of reality. And mm-hmm. That's that's like the deeper joy, which is beyond good and evil. 
people sin. Right, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, so, a field beyond good and evil. Meet me there, Rumi. Meet me there. <laughs> this Rumi, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Sure. Well, and of course, in miracles, says nothing has any meaning unless I give it meaning. So, you know, you can give Kali any meaning you want, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to stick with what's in the dictionary. Right, right, right. So another thing I wanted to mention about dreams, is, which is kind of cutting, you know, dreams are, they're not usually at all. Rarely is a dream a presenting sim- symptom of, of, of which causes a person to, to go into therapy. But um, they, mm-hmm. but later on they will enter into the 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 therapeutic process. One of the cutting edge ways in which dreams are starting to be used is with the understanding that dreams are not fixed entities. They are they are they result from co-creation, you know, between the dreamer and higher reality. Most mm-hmm. of the time, dreams are uh, the, 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 the dreamer is pretty unconscious. So the co-creation is is pretty rigid. The person has to go through a series of actions a number of times before we can see a deeper pattern. But the more lucid you become, the more opportunities that you have in dreams to do things on your own, and to um, and so in 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 the therapeutic process, when the person realizes working with dreams that he or she has a choice of what to do. Instead of just having the dream happen to you, you actually have a choice of what you can do. That gives you, that helps you see patterns in your real physical waking life, which are disadvantageous to you. So working with dreams that way, thinking about alternatives of what could have happened in the dream, aside from what you did, and then with greater levels of lucidity, actually doing those new, new different things is therapeutically very powerful. Um, and that's one way in which dreams are being used by a small number of people therapeutically to help individuals through their issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is, I mean, in mainstream psychotherapy, this this is really only starting to happen. Um, for the most part, most psych, most psychotherapists and, and doctors, psychiatrists, their exposure to dreams comes to them primarily through traditional psychoanalytic theory. You know, with Freud and sexual repression and all that, but right. there is starting to be the awareness that dreams amount to more, and that they can be utilized therapeutically in ways that they weren't before. So that's cool. That's really cool. yeah. But you know, you're going to have to have a therapist that has a multi-dimensional orientation. That's right. That's right. And um, you know, what's in you know, some some yeah. therapists work with dreams on the assumption that they can only tell you about deeper, profound things within your own cultural language background since birth, mm-hmm. okay? Most of us in dream work, although we may not be that good at it yet, and we may not be that yet, be there spiritually in terms of being able to do it really well, we do think that, you know, I mean, Jung's primarily insights around collective unconscious and universal archetypes um, are taken for granted by most of us who do dream work, who mm-hmm. do have a liberal mystical orientation. Doing mm-hmm. a good job of working with it is something else. That's something that more and more of us are slowly starting to be trained in. And, of course, can be very powerful when we do it well. Yeah, but you do yeah, need... You know, the, archetype, the archetypes are very important, though, in dreams, I think. Oh, gosh. They're, 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 they're primary. 
They're primary. Yeah, and I Carolyn mean, Mace talks about them, and Jung talks about archetypes. Those are the those are two yeah, good reasons. And some, you know, some some archetypal images may indeed be similar to the giant the giant creatures, which are thought by many people to have come to us from from um, other planets and so forth. That may be true, but it's also true that archetypes occur naturally anyway from deeper divine reality. Yeah, so either one I of those explanations so. is okay. <laughs> well, you see archetypes in Aborigine cultures too. So, and they weren't that affected by the by the you know the Greek and the Roman and the Norse. Right. Oh yeah, there's no question. You know, the, giant, the feminine, yeah, so. the, the feminine, the masculine, yeah. water, the sky. All right. these, all these great universal entities represent mm-hmm. themselves over and over yeah. again in in the context of a person's basic dream reality. Right. And yeah, and so understanding what they are, what they represent emotionally for the person, is primary. Mm-hmm. What you want to do, Susan, write down some of these crazy half negative dreams. Write them oh, down yeah. and um, try to find out well, what I call the action template. And mm-hmm. you, you take everything and make it as generic as possible. Someone does something and blah, 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 blah. Right, yeah. Like and that said. shows you it gets really convoluted, but yeah, we'll show yeah. you the underlying pattern. So send mm-hmm. me a dream. Send me a dream. That might be fun to do sometime. Mm-hmm. No charge. Yeah, I mean, I'm, think, I'm thinking about the feeling I have when I wake up. It's just like the feeling I have is, gee, I wish I could have some more, you know, beautiful and uplifting dreams. Right. But evidently I'm still working through the muck in some way, not because I don't experience higher dimensional. I do, but, but just that there's something at the lower levels that I haven't quite um, resolved. Yeah, yeah. And not and, and, much is know, happening in my physical reality. It's like it's the physical reality is pretty quiet. So yeah, and you know, I'm one of the general the insights one of the general insights connected with therapy around these these, these 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 deeper issues that need to be worked through is that we don't need to re experience the pain and discomfort of what caused the original trauma. Mm-hmm. We can be worked through it uh with grace. And with good methodology, which does give you a sense of ecstasy and love, which can help you through it. So you don't need mm-hmm. to, re- to re-experience the kind of pain which might, which might otherwise cause somebody to back away from, um, from a, a good therapeutic process. And mm-hmm. if you're on a spiritual path like that, then, you know, of course, you can do it on your own. But slowly and carefully, and with all the support you have from your, from your dream guys and so forth, yeah, we all got to go for it. <clears throat> yeah. Well, remember the the overall message uh of from the Tibetans when they were figuring out how to ascend is that you have to release all fear and all hope and stay in the present. Just stay yeah. in the present. Stay loving. Yeah. Don't exactly. fear anything, don't regret anything, don't try to jump into the future and hope for things and have and just stay absolute in the present. complete faith that the big enchilada is out there to be experienced and embodied. When right. You through and everything is in divine order, even though it doesn't appear to be in that particular minute. But don't yeah. judge it. I try not to go into judgment. Well, you got it. Well we're, well, we're coming up on the end of our interview. Is there contact information you'd like to give? 
Yeah, sure. David Lowe, L-O-W, no E, David Lowe, M-S, as in Masters of Science, David Lowe, M-S, PhD.com. David Lowe, M-S, PhD.com is a website. David at WorldSpirituality.com is the email. That's easy to remember. David at WorldSpirituality.com. Yeah, so dream work, mindful substance abuse, um, you know, life situations, problem. I'm good at problem solving, life situations, meditation instructions. Those are the primary things. That I, that I work with. Sure. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. Susan, it's always a pleasure. Look forward to our next time and the time after that and so on. Okay, great. Okay. This is Dr. Susan Cobb with Temple of Health Radio Show. Please join us next week. <laughs>